0: Money FM 89.3, best of your money. Money and me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. S REIT results have been rolling in. We're going to take stock of the numbers so far. Which S are still a buy? Bank stocks, TBS, OCBC and UOB have been on my stocks to watch list. Analysts yesterday told us net profit is widely expected to come down for Singapore banks in Q2, with growing pressure as well to pull back on dividend payouts amid MAS's call to shore up capital. So what are factors to consider when buying bank stocks? Jacob Du is my guest today. He's Chief Investment Officer at Envision Wealth Management, here to discuss these questions and more. Jacob, good morning.
1: Good morning, Michelle. Thank you for having me back today. Great to speak with
0: you. Can you share with us what you're seeing with regards to the REITs earnings so far? What's standing out for you? Who are the main winners and losers?
1: Well, we're continuing to focus on the industrial and healthcare reads as we speak. I mean, since a couple of months back, we have been pretty bearish on the other type of reads, primarily in the retail side, even in the hospitality, even commercial REITs. Um, we are still bullish at this stage itself. We haven't really gotten off our positions on the standard reads, primarily and maple tree industrial REIT. We are also looking at part healthcare reads as well. So I think going forward, these uh, reeds will continue to shine, even though uh, I would say that the yield across all reeds have come down. But overall, as compared to even the other reeds and even around the region, these reeds will continue to do well.
0: All right, succinct there. Let's move on to the story on banks. The Monetary Authority of Singapore calling on local banks to cap their financial year 2020 dividends at 60% of the previous years. Are banking stocks still resilient? How are you reading this?
1: Well, the, the purpose of the entire cap itself is just to help the banks to conserve the capital. Now, going forward, if the government intends to gradually remove the support incentives I guess no one really fully understands the full impact it will have on the bank. Imagine if the default rates among the SMEs is going to increase, then the bank shares will have a likelihood to be going down further and there will be more pressure going forward. Um, In our dealings with the um, trade receivable, trade finance side of things, and even with some of the platforms where they are actually providing direct lending to SMEs, we are seeing an increasing default rate. We are also seeing increasing difficulty among SMEs to access liquidity, and that is a worrying sign. So I would say that for now, if you see the banking stock is going up, that's primarily because of the technical rebound. Hmm. But uh, over the next couple of months, then there will be certain pressure. So which means that you know, I would say we will still see you know, better levels from here, uh, but the upside will maybe limit for now.
0: Jacob, MAS has also asked banks to offer shareholders the option of receiving their 2020 dividends in Scrip instead of cash. So what should investors consider when deciding between these two options?
1: Well, if you had a long-term perspective of exactly how the bank is going to behave, which I think these local banks are well positioned for uh, a healthier recovery or going into next year, Mm -hmm. then yes, I would definitely take on the shares itself. I won't be taking the cash right now because even if you take the cash where are you going to deploy them but The interest rates right now are extremely low mm. so you know you're better off to find alternative there at least you know for sure the bank's dividend use is giving you a better return than compared to the deposit rates
0: and what are you expecting for the three banks dividends to look like in 2020
1: well, with a cap at 60%, it's going to be exactly the 60% is exactly where they're going to be. So you'll be probably see seeing something close to, you know, I guess they have no choice but to give it at least 60% of what they have been uh, giving in the past. So I would say that in terms of valuation wise, well, I'll prefer that. You know, at the the OCBC, if the price is coming down to approximately around eight fifty, it's you know around that level. Mm-hmm. Then I'll, I don't, I don't mind getting in those levels there. All
0: right. Which uh, to the broader question then, is this a buying opportunity for retail investors looking at banking stocks?
1: Yes, it is. I mean, I would say that you know is compared to all the other stocks that's currently available right now. I mean, on the property side, uh, the pocket of interest in the other types of um, you know the, the healthcare side. Well, the valuation is a bit high, and the tech side is a bit limited now. So, which means that, in terms of valuation-wise, across the board, it seems to be pretty, you know, pretty high. You can see that the stock market, since the start of this crisis till now, since the start of the year rather, it has come up up by about 29%. And um, you know, at these levels, valuations, yes, it may continue to go higher, but I think the top side is going to be limited. So, I would prefer that, you know focus on which companies have the strong fundamentals and banks is definitely one of them.
0: All right. He's Jacob Dew, Chief Investment Officer at Envision Wealth Management. We've been talking a great deal about valuations and whether they're dislocated from reality when it comes to the tech sphere. I wonder if you can weigh in on the big tech giants. So they've announced blockbuster earnings, Apple, Alphabet, Facebook, Amazon. And of course, the big headlines were the fact that the head honchos were testifying before Congress in Washington on anti-competitive behavior. But when it comes to the numbers, Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Facebook all hit match-winning home runs with the release of their Q2 earnings. Of the four, only Alphabet suffered a sales drop. The other three showed impressive gains, blew, blowing forecasters out of the water. So what do you make first up of the gains? Let's start with Apple, which has overtaken Saudi Aramco, market value of 1.3 trillion U.S. dollars now. Uh, what do you make of their gains?
1: Well, I would say that if you compare to, say, a quarter ago and even come back to last year, right, the thing is that the gain has not been pretty substantial. If I were to look at not just Apple, we look at the four top four companies over the 12 months ending June quarter, it's at $126.65 billion. Now, it may seem a lot of money, but if you compare against the four quarters ending in June last year, it was $119.6 billion with the four combined together. And that itself translates to just, you know, a, a, a tiny increase. It's not a substantial increase. So, you know, the, the fact is that the investors themselves are now rewarding a gain of $7 billion of mm-hmm. additional income over, you know, a tool, if you're going to compare it that way. But it translates into a $1.78 trillion market cap increase. That itself gives you a marginal yield of approximately 39 basis points. And it's, it's like, this is exactly what you can get from a seven-year treasury bond. So to me it seems like right now the situation is that the market is just flat with liquidity and you have got a lot of, sort of retail speculators coming in in order to drive this up. So the numbers themselves are not really pushing the fundamentals just too high. What you're going to see any of this is that you know an extreme market concentration it creates a macro and micro risk from here itself. So from a micro perspective, a record concentration means that the S and P five hundred will never be more dependent on the continuous strength of these few uh, stocks itself, and becomes much more vulnerable to endosyncratic shocks to any of these stocks. From a micro perspective, mm. elevated multiples and rapidly shifting macroeconomic backdrop, portfolio with limits and crowding, and the potential regulation represent key risks to absolute new and relative returns from today's levels.
0: Yeah, I see your point there because these big four North American tech giants they now account for nearly one fifth of the entire S and P. Five hundred, so a small handful of companies, so totally dominating the markets uh, in terms of sentiment and market weight. What do you think in terms of um, sustainability of their growth? Do you expect this to continue in the near term?
1: Well, I would say that perhaps for the month of August, it may continue for a while. Mm. But it comes to September when you have got a separate, and um, you know, we have, you have got this earnings report itself, and with elections coming on board. You may see some of the players in the market taking the risk off, mm-hmm. so you may see such a certain level, of, uh, you know, correction itself. And you know, for the Nasdaq and for these tech stocks to continue its run on, on a daily basis to really hitting record highs, increasingly it, it gives me a certain level of discomfort. That's why within the tech sector now, we have actually since the May to June, we have been focusing on. Primary companies focus more towards uh, 5G network, um, which means the companies that are actually building those base stations. Because now, even though these companies are the software providers, you need the hardware to uh, to facilitate 5G. So we are focusing more towards the companies that are, fo- that are building base stations and on the infrastructure for 5G network to begin with. Then that will tra- eventually translate to big more business for the tech sector later on.
0: And in terms of geography, where are those companies based? Companies are building the infrastructure for five G.
1: Well, the thing is that in in America itself, they are going to rely heavily on um, Ericsson and even on Nokia to build those base stations. But in China, they're going to rely on China Tower. So the, fact, the funny thing is this, because previously when we look at you know before this China-US tension came about, the whole world is looking at global companies, but increasingly it becomes regional companies. So that itself really gives a lot of difficulty in you know, order to assess exactly what kind of. Um, revenue that we potentially will see because you no longer can use any company on the global scale, you know, to make the comparison. You has got to be on the regional side. Which means that companies that are able to win those contract government approvals to build those base stations that will need to you know, you can focus on that. So which means the analysis now is have to change entirely. It can no longer be you know, if they are successful in one country, they have the ability because now there's a lot of acquisitions about espionage about everything so which we have have no evidence whatsoever it becomes you know very difficult for anyone to see exactly whether it's indeed true the case and with all these distractions would it cause such a temporary dip in the share price
0: so for investors looking on doubling down on uh, new infrastructure investments uh, what do you advise that they think through
1: well, I would say that, uh, one, if you look at exactly on how advanced is the technology and also its approval that it has with the local government itself, then that will be a cue sign that mm-hmm. to tell you is that these are the type of companies that you want to focus on. Say, for example, in China Tower itself, they've already gotten provision government approvals and even at the federal level, at the government level, that where they actually will be building those base stations in China for the 5G rollout. So increasingly, with now China getting a lot of heat from the rest of the world, they will rely more towards the internal, com- uh, you know, internal resources and even the companies themselves to build the capability from there. So these are the companies that potentially have the ability to earn a lot more in those revenues on the, on the side. But having said that, the others, on the other side of the world itself, then we'll be looking towards companies like I and Nokia, where they basically will be the guys who will be engaged in helping to... Uh, not only companies in uh, even the government in america but even in europe itself to help to develop all those base stations to begin with
0: he's jacob do sharing his insights with us this morning in money and me investors he's chief investment officer at envision wealth management so earlier we we're talking a little bit about the conspiratorial whispers and how that's complicating matters uh, i wonder if we can weigh in a little on microsoft tiktok and the u.s it's been in the news president trump you know talking about plans to ban tiktok and then talking about a 45-day deadline um for microsoft hopefully to clinch a deal to buy a portion of the social media platform uh claiming that any acquisition will have to involve paying a significant amount of money key money to the federal government for facilitating the deal Uh, what do you make of the story so far
1: well looking an entire, you know, from an outsider perspective itself, its entire saga, it's like uh, a, you know, it, it's like a soap opera. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 you, know, you, you have got U.S. Now, right now who is coming into the corporate world, um, making acquisitions with no evidence whatsoever, and trying to retain the technology or the capability within U.S. itself. And that itself is troubling because then, it you know either it tells us that the US no longer is able to compete out there in the world, mm. or you know it, what, what it, it, the effect it has done itself. It's no longer just confined to just bike dance or even to TikTok. It's now broadened to all other sectors or even other parts of the uh, economy. Going forward, I would say that decoupling definitely is it, it, going to go you know, much faster. And is giving China the stronger determination to take on every aspect, and not only just the companies themselves, but even on the currency front, even on you know, the logistics side, on everything. The level of distrust has been heightened, no doubt about that, and the impact on Singapore is going to be huge. So at some stage, you know, countries within Southeast Asia may have to rethink exactly how they want to deal with this entire, uh, the implication of that. Because it's not just about buying over TikTok. Because the Chinese guys is that look, either I can choose to shut down TikTok and not give the U.S. any access, which is one of the largest markets for them. Alternatively, I would just sell it off. And then who is going to pay for it? Well, the Chinese guy is not going to pay for it. It's going to be Microsoft is going to buy it. And then would it make any sense for Microsoft to buy an entire thing when eventually the federal government is going to demand a lot more premium from them? So then it becomes, you know, a a numbers game after all. Mm. But but definitely the divide is going to widen.
0: Yeah, I want to pick up on an interesting point that you just raised on decoupling, Jacob. You say that this is going to impact Singapore significantly. How so?
1: Well, the thing is that um, for companies in the past, when you're dealing with the transport of all these, um, you know, manufactured goods China has always been a manufacturing base in the past but it has not greatly evolved into an economy that is very um, focused on technology, its ability to rely on its internal consumers. Now there's a change in focus. So what we're seeing is that China now has adopted several strategies. Where one, increasingly, they want to make sure that they have the ability to build their own chips, so that their you know internal tech firms will not be affected by what's happening on US side. The second thing is that in terms of currency front, the you the China will not be beholden to US in terms of settlement US dollars. Now, to the Singapore companies themselves, any of they will look at it. If I'm not able to get a manufactured good from China and ship it to the U.S., but I'm subject to a lot of scrutiny, and at some stage it becomes you know less cost-effective, what is the role that Singapore is going to play in the entire game? Which means now I've got to be able to prove to the U.S. that ultimately anything that's going to come to me from China... Firstly, it does not fall into any possible accusations of espionage in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It cannot be seen that we are assisting either side, which means that you know, we cannot let the Chinese see that we are helping the U.S., nor let the U.S. see that we are helping the Chinese. So we have got to play a very neutral ground, so which means it becomes more dicey for everyone in the game. The other thing is that in terms of settlement-wise, it becomes much more challenging because now, to Singapore, I mean, would China accept Singapore currency as a settlement currency for any transaction? Or would it be uh, where the Chinese side now is insisting that you have to settle in Chinese yuan? Mm. Then, on one mm. hand, I've got to settle, you know, I've got to, on one hand, I've got to buy the stuff uh, from China by settling in Chinese yuan. but I'm at the same time, I'm sending the same stuff over to US, but settling in US dollars, and I'm exposed to currency risk. So it becomes, you know, I don't think many companies in Singapore has the ability where they have got an internal treasury center to manage the exposure. So this is just one aspect of things. But going forward, you know, given the complications in terms of relationship between the two parties itself, you it will complicate the um, the companies in doing their business, which means they have got to remodel themselves in order to manage that risk.
0: That's a great primer. On a very complex topic. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. What does this mean, though? The you know, if we look at ByteDance Dance and TikTok and Microsoft, what do you think uh, the developments mean for Microsoft shareholders? Microsoft share price up by five point six percent at two hundred sixteen dollars and fifty U.S. cents.
1: Well, I would say that uh, if the purchase of ByteDance or rather, by the purchase of TikTok, is going to go ahead, then mm. that definitely would give Microsoft the technology and the ability for them to offer something that will rival against Facebook, right, and or Twitter, whatever. So at least, because see, the millennials themselves are very into TikTok. Yes. And, um, you know, you can see the the kind of reception, the kind of uh, engagement is so different. So Microsoft may move into that space itself and that will translate to pretty good advertising revenues for these guys, right? Because then, the moment you post something, they can easily charge the advertisers even much more because then, you know, while they're watching the performance, right, so they can, you can advertise by the side of the screen. So that would give Microsoft the edge in that sense. So which means that then with, the, with that, Microsoft can further enlarge their reach in terms of, say, um, their offering. Capabilities, So it's no longer just confined to operating systems, to just some previous old software that they have. Now it becomes a completely different new lifestyle of things that they have towards all the millennials.
0: Got it. So what is the sale if it does go through? What do you think this could mean for TikTok's Chinese parent company, ByteDance? We know that retailers were looking, retail investors were looking at uh, the blockbuster IPO, but there are whispers that ByteDance could shelve their initial plans to list their whole business in a blockbuster IPO and just consider listing closer to home in Hong Kong or Shanghai.
1: Well, I think that eventually may happen I mean over the next one year or so, even to, into next year itself, I don't foresee that Chinese companies have the ability to you know, go into the US markets anytime soon because then the last thing they want is all these heat, unless you know, after the elections, when there's a change in terms of u s policies and things, then maybe TikTok may reconsider that. But at this point in time, it's difficult to see that they will want to list in U.S. because of the problems and the heat that they're facing right now. So having said that, if it would list in China itself, then at least what they can do is to gain access to the domestic market, then it, it could be in a situation where they have dual listing eventually. So they may list in China first, and we eventually we're going back into the U.S. itself as an ADR. So which means that you know, to TikTok, well, time is on their hand. We'll let the politics play out then the company can consider again.
0: He's Jacob Du. My guest this morning in Money and Me, Jacob, is Chief Investment Officer at Envision Wealth Management. Let's talk a little bit about Keppel Corp and Tomasic invoking a voluntary preconditional partial offer for Keppel Corp. Uh, this will be decided upon by end August, whether to invoke a material adverse change precondition based on Keppel's second quarter results. Uh, last Thursday, Keppel posted a record Quarterly net loss of six hundred ninety-seven dollars, six hundred ninety-seven million dollars for three months ended June thirtieth, twenty twenty. That breaches certain conditions for six four billion preconditional partial offer that would have raised its stake to fifty-one percent in the conglomerate. So, um, what do you make of the twists in the plot so far?
1: Well, everyone in the market seems to think that um, on thirty-first of August. Um, they would like to see whether the Massey would like to invoke, or rather, will invoke the MAC, which is material efforts change precondition based on the second quarter 2020 results. Now, obviously, the master has three choices one is to walk away from the offer, mm. or to continue with the offer despite the non compliance with the precondition, or to lower the offer. Now, so, in order to analyze this, what's the most likely action, course of action that the market may take? If you look at the overall shipbuilding and rig building industry itself, firstly, both Samcom and Capo OMM, they are increasingly facing a lot of competition, right? And the thing is that, you know, in terms of the order books, it has come down tremendously right, over the last couple of years, and this year has made it even worse. Now, the... Korean's counterparts themselves are already merging to form even larger entities to compete around the world. If the overall intention of the Marseille is to merge both entities, both Sampab Marine and Capital O and M, therefore it makes sense for the Marseille to lower the offer and effect the merger. Because then, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense for them to walk away because then it will not the merger will not take place. On the mm-hmm. other hand, to continue with the offer despite the you know non compliance with preconditions, will then look very strange because then how you know you're offering too high a premium for a okay. company that has you know of
0: legal yeah. lost I mean if you look at it Tomasic's original offer price uh, back in October was 7.35 a share. Keppel's shares this morning trading at $5.16. Exactly. So you're saying that uh, there's probably a reevaluation of the terms but not a backing out altogether. Correct. Got it. Well, thank you so much for the wonderful insights this morning, Jacob. Sure, my pleasure. Jacob thank dude, you for having me. Chief Investment Officer at Envision Wealth Management. Have a great Tuesday, Jacob. You too. Before Take acting care. on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.